Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a new investigation by the Los Angeles Times looks at cases of California doctors who were barred from practice for sexually abusing patients. It uncovers an alarming pattern. More than half of those who sought to get their licenses back have been reinstated by the state medical board. We learn more. And a California judge has said he'll issue a statewide ban on the pesticide sulfoxiflor, which protects crops from insects but is toxic to honeybees. We look at the dramatic decline of managed honeybee colonies in the U.S. Forum is next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Since 2013, more than half of doctors who were barred from practicing for sexually abusing their patients were reinstated by California's medical board. That's a higher rate than for doctors who lost their licenses for all other reasons, according to a new investigation by the Los Angeles Times. And joining me now are LA Times investigative reporter Jack Dolan. Jack Dolan, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Also, LA Times Metro reporter Brittany Mejia. Brittany, glad to have you on as well. Thank you. And a note to listeners that the cases we'll be discussing are disturbing. Brittany Mejia, the piece begins with the story of Fabiana Ramirez Flores. Can you tell us what happened to her when she went to see Bakersfield doctor Esmail Najmabadi? Yes. So Fabiana... Um was living in Bakersfield, had gotten uh, an opinion about a spider bite and had gone to actually this doctor for a second opinion. It was a family friend. So she felt comfortable being seen by him. Um, and you know, they were alone in the exam room and he sexually abused her on the pretext of screening her for colon cancer. Um, it was something that once she got home, she realized what had happened, went through the process of reporting it. Um, I don't think she ever anticipated that a doctor and especially someone she knew would do that to her. Um, she's an, an immigrant. She had assumed, you know, you trust what the doctor says. Um, and so that was a really striking example for us of a, of a situation where, yeah, a doctor abused um, a patient and, and it and to this day still really sticks with her. Yes. It, it ultimately changed the course of her life, right? She moved back to Mexico. Yes, she didn't want to risk running into this doctor or his wife in Bakersfield. So she moved back to Mexico and she was grateful to her husband for supporting her and doing that because they basically had to start all over again um, back in Mexico. 
And I mean, it was pretty incredible. This doctor, when she filed a complaint, actually persuaded a female staff members, I understand it, to lie and say that he that she had been in the room during the exam. What other steps did Najma Badi take? Yeah, so one of the most striking examples, um, you know, of him trying to make this go away is that he reported Ramirez and her husband, who were both undocumented immigrants, um, to immigration officials to try and make them unavailable to investigators. So he reported them to um, what's now ICE and then also IRS, basically just trying to get rid of them. And Jack Dolan, it turned out that there were other female patients who said that they had had similar experiences by this doctor, correct? Yeah. Um, Fabiana was actually one of six. Uh, one of the patients that he abused was actually in her mid-teens. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was, it was obviously uh, something that happened a lot. Um, he was ultimately uh, criminally convicted for it. And then, as is their want, um, the medical board waited for the criminal conviction, and then uh, he lost his license. Um, but that didn't last. How long did that last? It lasted about five years, if I recall. Um, and then he applied for reinstatement, and uh, they they gave him his license back. Wow. Did Fabiana... Uh, Ramirez Flores know about this, Brittany Mejia, that the, the board was taking this action and granting his license back? No, she had no idea. There was no kind of notification in this process. And um, she I actually am the one who told her and she was shocked to find that out. Um, it's just something, yeah, that of those we interviewed, they're just not included in the process. And for some, it's kind of a scary thing because a few of the women we talked to are still living in the same area. Um, as those doctors. So, Jack, there were 17 doctors, as I understand it, since 2013, who lost their licenses for sexual abuse. How many of them have successfully regained them back? Yeah, there, there were 17 who, who lost their licenses for sexual abuse and then petitioned for reinstatement. 10 of those were successful. So that's 59%. Um, and what was striking to us is that the people who lost their licenses for sexual abuse were actually more successful in getting those licenses back than doctors who lost them for, for all other reasons. Doctors, you know, who lost them for drug abuse or gross negligence or fraud. Um, so th there's a, a marked pattern in the medical board of going lenient and forgiving doctors for Sexual misconduct. We're talking with Jack Dolan and Brittany Mejia, reporters with the LA Times, investigative reporters who did an investigation on doctors who sexually abused their patients in California. And you listeners are invited to join the conversation with your reactions to what you're hearing. 866-733-6786 is the number to call. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. Brittany Mejia, what did the California Medical Board have to say about this, that they were reinstating doctors for sexual misconduct at a much higher rate than, than any other reason? Yeah, that's what was interesting to us. I mean, when we had the conversation with the medical board, we asked, you know, why, why this was happening. And, you know, and one of the reasons we were given is that 
the board said that they can't, you know, permanently revoke a license. And, you know, then our question was, okay, but you don't have to grant the license either. Like to um, reinstate and, it. Yeah. Yeah. To, to reinstate them. Um, and so those are some of the questions that we were pushing on, on our end. Um, you know, Jack was also part of that call. It was really interesting kind of hearing some of the explanations, you know, the, um, the California medical board president basically telling us that they do have room for improvement, but they're bound by state regulations. Um, yeah. And Jack, I don't know if you want to weigh in a little bit about that conversation too. Jack, go on. Yeah. The, the, the board president, uh, her name is Christina Lawson. She's a, a lawyer in, in the Bay area. I mean, our, our first question to her was whether she would personally go to any of these doctors that her board had reinstated. Um, and she, she, you know, balked at that and uh, contended that it was not a fair question. But it is a fair question. I mean, her board is making these doctors available to every woman in California um, and with no notice. I mean, you know, it's really not that easy to find out uh, your doctor's past. Um, but, but she, she and we pushed hard on the notion that there is no, um, you know, these, these women are not represented at all um, at the hearings that, to determine whether the doctor should be reinstated. Um, and Lawson conceded that it has not been their practice. First of all, she said the law prevented them from allowing women um, to be present at those hearings. We read the law, pointed out, it did not prevent them. In fact, it actually kind of mandates that the board uh, allow them to have input. And, uh, you know, Lawson conceded we were right and said that she had instructed her staff to, you know, look into what they can do to, to make sure that these women have a voice. Um, and it's hard to imagine, you know, that in a hearing where a doctor you know, steps forward and says, look, I went to therapy, you know, I, I, I'm a better person now. Um, you know, there might be a different outcome if, if the, the woman or women uh, were sitting there as well. Can I ask you if this situation, the way that they handle this issue related to sexual abuse of medical doctors, if you think this speaks to broader issues at the California Medical Board, Jack Dolan, Absolutely. Um, earlier this summer, uh, with our colleague Kim Christensen, who also helped on this sex abuse story, um, we, we did a story about surgeons who had repeatedly, um, you know, had terrible outcomes. They had killed patients. They had left them uh, paralyzed. They, they, one guy cost a woman her leg in cases that were judged by their peers by you know, the doctors on the medical board to be gross negligence, mm. totally incompetent. So th that was really not in dispute. Um, but they keep a lot, yeah, they put the doctors on probation, but allow them to keep going and with predictable results, you know, more patients suffered. So the, the California Medical Board um, is, you know, has a deserved reputation for going easy on doctors and for striving to rehabilitate doctors as opposed to protect patients. Um, and when we started looking into these cases of sexual abuse, I mean, honestly, I figured if there's, if there's an easy call for a medical board, 
um, it would be preventing a doctor who has criminal conviction for, in some cases, violent sexual abuse. Preventing that person from practicing medicine seems like it would be the easy call. And, and we were stunned, honestly, um, when we discovered, when we you know, dug into the data and discovered that they actually go easier on those doctors than, than doctors in general. You've noted in your piece that the majority of the board members are doctors. Do you think that plays a role? Um, well, that has been an issue around the country, and, and people have been bringing that up. And, and honestly, I do. I mean, the talking to board members who aren't doctors, you know, they say there there is it's it's very difficult for for people who aren't doctors to counter, you know, or vote against the majority who are doctors because you know they're they're simply told they're told that they simply don't understand the medicine or they don't understand the science. Um, and you know that may be true in some cases, but they they do understand what's fair, and they they understand you know what's right and wrong, um, and so there there has been a push uh, by patient advocates across the country to level that playing field at least. We're talking with Jack Dolan and Brittany Mejia, Los Angeles Times investigators on doctors who sexually abuse their patients and how the California Medical Board has been handling these cases. You can join the conversation with your questions, your reactions, your thoughts on what they have uncovered. 866-733-6786 is the number to call, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us, forum at kqed.org. We'll have more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about a new Los Angeles Times investigation on doctors who sexually abuse their patients and how these cases are handled by the California Medical Board. We're joined by LA Times reporters Brittany Mejia and Jack Dolan, and you, our listeners, are also with us, sharing your questions and your thoughts about what you've been hearing about what the LA Times investigation has uncovered. Our email address, forum at kqed.org. Post your comments on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. Call us, 866-733-6786. And we have a caller on the line, Joy in Alameda. Hi, Joy. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. This is a very personal subject for me. I just wanted to call and thank you so much for talking about this. Well, thanks for calling in, Joy. Um, I'm sorry to hear that this is of personal significance for you. I um, had a car accident many years ago, and I had a lien with a lawyer. And the lawyer sent me to a doctor that actually was a sexual predator with his patients. And I was afraid to bring it up to my lawyer because when I asked my lawyer if I could get a new doctor, my lawyer had explained that there was no other doctor that he could send me to. This was the only doctor 
that uh, he had to lean with. And so I was injured um, from the car accident and the injury I had, um, <laughs> it, it made it really impossible, a lot of pain, obviously. And I couldn't uh, fight off the doctor very well, but I had to defend myself um, mentally and emotionally and um, also recognize that this was the only option I had because I didn't have health insurance at the time. Wow. Joy, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened to you and and just the vulnerability uh, that you were in as you describe. Brittany Mejia, I know you interviewed a lot of people, sadly, a lot of people who have had experiences like this at the hands of doctors. And even I think there was a case where um, a person was seen by a doctor who ended up sexually abusing them who had been in a car accident in Southern California. Um, right. Your reaction and, to what Joy's saying? And Yeah, I, I just was going to say, thank you so much for sharing, Joy, and I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, hearing these stories has just been heartbreaking. Um, and speaking to these women, I, you know, just hearing, yes, the vulnerability of being in that position, you know, not having a choice of going to someone else, um, often uh, the women I was, was interviewing were immigrants or yeah, again, didn't have the money, didn't have insurance, couldn't go somewhere else. Um, and so that really sticks out to me. I'm, I'm incredibly sorry you went through that. Um, that's one of the things that in talking to the women, you know, just hearing their stories and, and Fabiana, especially who we wrote about at the top. I mean, she, it was, that was what was stuck out to me so much is that she, she did end up reporting it. And I know that that takes so much, like, I know that that can be overwhelming and can feel, you know, really scary. Um, and so that's, that's definitely one of the things that comes to mind um, in this case. Yeah. And I can tell Joy that it took a lot to share that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Let me go to another caller who's with us, Lisa in San Clemente. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, I'm just calling because your, your story today is reminding me of an incident my parents went through in the Riverside area with their internal physician where they would sit through my mom's exams and feel like the doctor was invading her privacy and abusing her during the exam right in front of my father. But they were from the generation where they didn't speak up and they didn't say anything, but they would both leave feeling like my mom had just been abused and his name was in the news years later, and I, I didn't know if he was still a practicing physician or not. Wow, just to think about how um, they were in the room together and feeling this way. Lisa, I'm so sorry your parents went through that, and, and I'm sure for you to even be thinking about it right now as you hear about this investigation and what it's uncovering. Thank you for sharing that story. You know, one of the things that I remember um, Jack Dolan, you saying just before the break was something about how the way doctors argue for their reinstatement, even after they commit horrific acts, like what our callers just described, is that they get a psychiatric evaluation. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and why you flag that as problematic? Yeah, the um, the process for for getting your license back. I mean, what 
the pattern is that they hire uh, lawyers, uh, typically lawyers who are experienced before the medical board. Um, and then uh, the next step um, is very clearly to seek therapy. Um, and that is a little tricky um, because the medical board does, doesn't have like a list of therapists who are experts in um, basically sex offenders. Um, instead, it's, it's up to the doctor and their lawyer um, to select a therapist um, and their expertise in this area is, is not guaranteed. Um, the doctor also pays the therapist. Um, and then they usually, uh, the therapist usually, at least in our experience, don't eat, actually come to the reinstatement hearings. So they can't be cross-examined. Um, and, you know, they, they pr provide a written report to the doctor who paid them. Um, and, you know, what we're finding is that, you know, there is a case we wrote about of, of this doctor uh, who had sexually abused a young woman in New York, had been criminally convicted of it, came out to California, applied three times for a license. Each time the medical board rejected it, citing his history of sexual abuse. The fourth time he went out, got a therapist, uh, the therapist, you know, basically gave him a clean bill of health. Um, and the medical board said, okay, fair enough, and gave him his license. And not long after, uh, he sexually abused at least two patients that we know of in, in really you know, gross ways, um, one of whom sued him and got a million dollars. Um, and those kinds of uh, payments are supposed to be uh, sent to, or you know, the, the medical board is supposed to be alerted to them. Um, whether that happened, the medical board refused to say, uh, but he didn't lose his license then. Um, so this is a guy with a history of sexual predation who pays a million bucks to a woman to settle a claim of sexual abuse. He goes on to sexually abuse another patient um, who reported him and only then did the medical board revoke his license. Um, and, you know, the, the, the rationale for giving him his license, you know, on his fourth try was that he had been to therapy, you know, he'd, he'd acquired the emotional tools to understand, you know, when he was making somebody feel uncomfortable and um, he was allegedly good to go. I, I think what's interesting is you're also pointing out that something this egregious was not readily apparent, like this information about this doctor was not necessarily easy to find, even for people who may be choosing this physician for services? Um, well, well, that is the case across the board. I mean, you know, most of these doctors that we've written about, if you go on the California Medical Board's website, you know, and type in their name, you know, you will get a, a screen showing, you know, where they went to medical school, that their license is current, there is sort of this cryptic and very easy to overlook notation that says probation completed. Um, but, you know, what does that mean? Um, in order to find out, you have to do a lot of research on the, on the medical board page. You have to, you know, click through a couple of links. 
know which links you're supposed to be clicking to and they are not well um, labeled. And even then you, you, you end up with dozens if not hundreds of pages of PDFs, you know, and these are legal documents so they're written in legalese and you have to wade through, you know, a whole lot of stuff before you get to the nitty gritty um, to, to understand what they did. Um, so it, it is just, it is not an easy process. Let me go to caller Aziba in Oakland. Hi, Aziba. Hey, good morning. I just am very frustrated. It seems to be happening to immigrant people. I have a dear friend that has lost her eyesight. This ophthalmologist has done the surgery. Not only she destroyed, she damaged her wife and she did it again. And I just am beyond my ability to do anything for her. And I'm very, very frustrated that it is happening in the Bay Area where we think we are better on everything else. Aziba, thank you for sharing that. Brittany Mejia, well, this listener writes, this is clearly an example of misogynistic patriarchy controlling our society. If these doctors were female, they'd be punished indefinitely. If the victims were male and predominantly white, they would be punished severely. Society sees women as disposable. In these 17 cases where doctors asked to be reinstated, 10 of which they were, I'm curious, Brittany, were all the victims women? Yes. Um, Jack knows better about the rest of the ones, like the cases we covered in the story. Yes. Like all of the victims were women. And the thing that was most striking, and we actually talked about this with one another, is that a lot of them were immigrants. You know, English was hmm. a second language. So that was something that was recurring. I mean, even in that New York case involving um, Atai, like that, she was an immigrant um, as well. And so that's something that really stood out. It was an especially vulnerable population. And that is what I kept hearing most of the time. I mean, there were some of these cases where they were coming in for exams for immigration, um, like to, in the case of Najma Body, that was something that I was getting told as well. And so it was just women that really, you know, didn't know and were trusting that the doctor was looking out for them and doing the right thing. Well, Kimberly writes, they also allow physicians working for the insurance industry to make medical determinations without being licensed in the state of California. These physicians continue to practice without any background check or anyone substantiating they even have a medical degree. It is time to reform this board. Did you come across this, Jack, in your reporting, your broader project looking at California Medical Board and, and troubled doctors? No, not not specifically in this project. Um, but but it you know, one of the previous callers mentioned that, you know, she'd been in a car accident and was sent by her lawyer to one specific doctor and she didn't feel she had a choice. Yes. Um, I think it is wise to assume that when you're in that situation, when you're um, either going to a doctor who you have been referred to by a lawyer and you don't have a choice or you know, going to a workers' comp doctor that you have been referred to and you don't really have a choice, um, you should be extra careful and extra vigilant if possible because those are the, the sort of alleyways of the medical industry where doctors who have had troubled pasts wind up. Um, and that, that it just, um, I've been doing this a long time and, and you, people would be wise to be on their guard in those situations. And it's, it's frustrating and it's heartbreaking because a lot of the times the people who are in those situations 
don't have the resources, um, you know, to do to defend themselves. And you're saying this in part because of failures at the medical board level, um, for example, reinstating a doctor who then, as you described, went on to abuse another person after they were reinstated. I mean, Kate asks, I'm wondering if there is a discipline system for doctors. The State Bar of California has such a system in place for bad attorneys. The State Bar Court, where attorneys are prosecuted, how many of these cases about doctors even make it into the press? Isn't that what the California Medical Board is supposed to be, the discipline system, Jack Dolan, or is there another um, body? No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, that is the primary job of the medical board. Um, and, you know, they will tell you uh, in the first sentence, whenever you confront them about things like that, this is their first priority is to protect the public. But the very quick uh, second clause is that, but whenever possible, you know, they strive for rehabilitation. Um, and there is at least one sitting member of the medical board uh, who is a non-physician who says, you know, they've got that completely backwards. In fact, what he sees when he deliberates with his colleagues um, in private is that, you know, rehabilitation is absolutely the top priority. Um, and I mean, there's some justification for that. There, there is a doctor shortage. Um, there is a particularly acute doctor shortage in rural areas and in underserved communities. And one can make the case that, um, you know, a bad doctor, get, you know, assuming they're not too bad, um, is better than no doctor. Um, but, you know, that, that logic and that train of thought leads to some really appalling outcomes. And I think that's what we see here. Let me go to Dan and San Rafael. Hi, Dan. Hello. Yes, I'm calling because I was listening to your program on the topic sexual abuse by doctors. And I thought maybe uh, you'd like uh, to hear my story. When I was uh, very young, maybe 19 or 20, I was at university and had a very badly infected tonsils, so I had to see the university doctor a number of times, and every time I visited this older doctor, he told me a prostate exam was necessary, and so every time I saw him, he did this exam, and I was so young and naive, I had no idea of what was happening. I was just uh, trusting mm -hmm. this doctor. So. Dan, I'm, I'm sorry, and I, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. And what you really do speak to, and Brittany Mejia, I know that you have really reported on this, is just the incredible power dynamic that exists um, in the mm -hmm. doctor-patient relationship. Right, exactly. I'm so sorry you went through that. I think, yeah, that's what really stands out is that often, yeah, if a doctor's telling you something, I mean, I, I have that experience myself where I don't go into you know, a doctor's appointment thinking of all the ways that, I mean, now I do, but I wasn't before thinking of all the ways I have to question the care that I'm getting, because my assumption is that the person in that room is going to do the right thing, like that they know best what needs to be done. Um, and that's, what's unfortunate is that we do, they do have a lot of power. Um, and with that comes the possibility of abusing it. 
Um, Jack, I want to get your reaction mm -hmm. to just a couple of final comments. Nancy writes, I wonder if the investigation took into account the doctors who surrendered their licenses rather than contest such charges. And another listener mm -hmm. who writes, the cases discussed here are painfully egregious and the actions of the medical board bring up many concerns and questions. Many physicians are upset by these cases. However, the suggestion that having physicians on the medical board might be the issue is questionable. Perhaps it's not the professional degree, but rather the specific individuals who sit in these positions of power. We just have less than a minute. Sure. Um, first, yes, we did look at uh, doctors who surrendered, um, but but in, in almost all those cases, they saw the writing on the wall. Their license would be revoked if they didn't surrender, so they surrendered first. Secondly, yeah, of course. I mean, um, it the medical board, whether you're a doctor or not, it comes down to your individual judgment. Um, but what we've seen for a long time now is that the individual judgment of doctors tends to favor doctors. Um, and it's that's painting with a broad brush, but I think the, the experience and the data supports it. The piece by Brittany Mejia and Jack Dolan and Kim Christensen is these doctors sexually abused patients, the medical board gave them their licenses back. The broader investigation by the LA Times is California Medical Board and troubled doctors. Thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your stories uh, that are painful. And it was very courageous. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.